have a story about a couple of billies Get rich quick, man, that seems kind of silly I mean, from dynasty to redraft, really? Ain't no way they about to make this quarter milli Feel me? Nah, man, I really don't This the GOAT district, they win whenever they want This the big time, though, they're playing against savants Gotta wonder if they're prepared or if they'll bomb Look Let's quick run through a checklist I only got a minute but I want you to get this Experience, yes Evaluation, yes BBD, yes Sleeper picks, yes Well sheesh, now you get it I ain't even lying Go ahead, pick up the rhyme Spit a couple of lines Spell it out for people So they can feel it in their spine G-O-A-T Greatest of all time It's the corner Millie Billy's On a quest for the best FFPC is a test for the rest G-O-A-T Gonna flex, that's a yes Matter of fact, say less, say less it's the corner Millie Billy's on a quest for the best FFPC is a test for the rest G-O-A-T gonna flex, that's a yes Matter of fact, say less, say less It is Tuesday, May 18th, 2021 We are here on the Half Millie Billy's on the Goat District Podcast Network Your host, Andrew Schellenberg, at AM Schellenberg on Twitter the clutch-like teams on the FFPC. And we're here back again talking about how to take down a large tournament or at least do our best to make our money back. Um, We're going to be talking about today a draft board that occurred over the weekend on Saturday, May 15th. Um, It should be a good one. Um, Looking for all the tips, secrets, strategies to take me um, and maybe the listeners, uh, if you guys just take a little bit less notes uh, than I do. Uh, close enough to that, taking down that large tournament prize. It's the football guys on this episode. Um, this year, half million dollars top prize, um, $100,000 second prize. So that's awesome. Um, let's get into it. Let's introduce our guest who's going to help do a draft board review with us. Uh, our guest today, he's a writer for fantasydata.com, co host of the Fantasy Football Fanalyst podcast presented by Fantasy Data. He manages and runs the Fantasy Data YouTube page. Uh, also works with Price Picks, a Monkey Knife Fight, and FFPC affiliate. He's an FFPC, FFPC fanatic, high stakes and fantasy football junkie. His name has me thinking about Phil Collins' Susu Studio all day today for whatever reason. Uh, uh, he, they're not they're not saying boo, they're saying moo. It's Billy Muzio. Billy, welcome to the show. What's going on? Thanks for having me on. I'm looking forward to this. Uh, uh, I'm excited to talk about a draft that I overslept in the beginning and uh, <laughs> and um, and see how we piece it together. Yeah, no, this will be a, this will be a, a good draft board review. I'm, I'm going to like this one. Let, 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 let's kick it off there. Let's let, let's start. You, you relate to the draft. You overslept. L- let's make like Blink-182, Billy. Let's commiserate for a second. Why did you oversleep on this draft? So here we go. Show two now of the week where we talk about my vasectomy and um, had a vasectomy on Friday. My balls have been hurting and I was on uh, some pain medication, overslept, uh, not like me to miss a draft at all, period, let alone get auto drafted. And um, here I am, wake up in the morning. I'm about 15, 20 minutes late. I get you know two phone calls from FFPC and three text messages. And um, I look down, I'm like, oh, crap, I'm probably being auto-drafted. And uh, I log in. In fact, you were. In fact, I was. Luckily, I caught it on the turn, so I was able to pick up in round five. Um, but you know what? It, it wasn't that bad of a um, wasn't that bad of a beginning. I mean, I personally wouldn't have selected Josh Allen in, in round three, um, but 
there could be worse options. Uh, you know, I've seen auto drafts with like Kenyon Drake in round three, and and I've I've seen some people get you know, last year's ADP just gets yeah just up on you. So so everything said and done, being auto drafted, shame on me. Um, but nonetheless, it gave me Acres, Chubb, Josh Allen, and David Montgomery, so I can work with that. No, I ab- absolutely, and and I and I say commiserate Billy because uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, I guess months ago now, I, I broke my thumb playing soccer, and I, and I get it. You shouldn't use your hands in soccer. Uh, <laughs> but in fairness, in fairness, I was playing goalie, uh, and I saved the shot. But did did break my thumb, did tear a ligament, and did have to have uh, surgery. So I'm well, it wasn't ball surgery, um, but uh, but but thumb was was pretty bad too. Um, question for you because I I know that I had I, I look joking about you know. Uh, you know, addictions. I, the one only addiction that I got uh, while I had my surgery was a T. Higgins addiction. Um, <laughs> I'm bringing this question on you. Did you have any weird dynasty trades while you were uh, while, while you were out with the vasectomy? Did you, did you get addicted to any certain players? Out. I think in the week that uh, that I was um, after my surgery, I think I made four dynasty T. Higgins trades. Um, so that that was my one vice while I was out. No, nothing since Friday. I'm I'm addicted to every player because I'm addicted nice. to fantasy football. But um, I didn't go out and just acquire a bunch of people. I mean, last year I had a uh, T.J. Hawkinson addiction and went out and acquired him in like tw- twenty dynasty leagues in one night. I literally just said, "I'm get I'm getting this done," and I'm attacking him everywhere. And I start getting text messages from from fans and analysts like, "What are you doing? Like, why are you getting T.J. Hawkinson in every single league?" And I yeah, said, what, "What do you know that we don't?" Know? And I was like, "Look at next year. I mean." I don't think anyone's coming back. And I think that he's going to have monster target share, similar to like a Kelsey slash uh, Waller type of share, like 26, 27%. And um, here we are now, 2021, and and uh, it's looking like it's a possibility. All, all your dreams are coming true. A, 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 oh, a year are. later, maybe, but but here they come. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So let's uh, let's transition to the draft. Question for you. Is this Was this your first football, guys? Probably your first one that you overslept. But not first ball, football guys of the uh, of the year for you, twenty twenty one. No, it's my third draft already for FBG. Um, I usually do about twelve to fifteen a year and three to six main events, just depending upon um, how I'm feeling about other drafts and and if I have partners or don't have partners in some. And there's a lot of different um, variations there, but usually about twelve to fifteen FBGs. Yeah, I like that. No, the, the partnerships are a lot of fun. Um, and obviously helps with the uh, perspective of the the fab runs. So I, I I don't know if that's the main driver of, of your cap is the, is the fab runs, but I, I I know when I have to look myself in the mirror, it's always a matter of oh my gosh, am, am I going to drive myself crazy on those uh, those Wednesday nights? Yeah, fab is a big part of it, and and the waivers and making sure um, that you're not missing anything. But the the other reasons I really like having a partner is um, different exposures. I mean, everyone has their own players that they really like. Um, like for instance, I'm not really that high on K makers, but, um, you know, lo and behold, I was auto drafted him, but now I have a K maker share, but we usually, when I have partners, I have exposure to players that I'm not necessarily that high on that gives you some diversity. It, um, diversifies your, your, I should say your teams a bit and gives you a better shot at, at, at something else. Yeah. I like that. All right. So you, you played last year. You've been playing for a while. Self-described, uh, you know, fantasy football and FFPC junkie. What's one lesson though from 2020 that you're pulling forward to 2021 as you're thinking about uh, you know you, your third football guys drafted the season already? Uh, I, I think doing your own projections is 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 clutch. Um, it helps you understand the big picture. I mean, for each team, 
I mean, I just finished, um, you know, going back through and doing um, touch-ups after the the rookie draft and looked at Arizona the other day and said, okay, how many targets is DeAndre Hopkins going to have? How many is AJ Green going to have? How many are Christian Kirk going to have? Because all of it was affected when Moore was drafted. Yep. And and going back through and, and being able to see kind of that big picture and whether you're, you know, 100% accurate or not at least you're in a ballpark and you have a understanding of um, what those splits are going to look like between uh, the wide receivers what's the what's the carry difference is going to look like between chase and connor and and a lot of drafters just follow or regurgitate what they read or hear and they work off somebody else's adp or or consensus adp and i just say you know do your own work create your own stance it helps with drafting and and don't be afraid to reach for somebody if you have them projected high yeah, GYFG, G- G- get your fucking guys, right? Exactly. And, and, I, and I guess like the, you know, the question for you, right, because like th- these things are always going to pop up, right? Last year, we dealt with COVID when dealing with projections, right? People opted out. You know, who who could have seen that when we were doing the projections in, in May of 2020? This year, and again, you know, not to get into schedule talk, right? But this year, we've just got a 17-game season. So how are we projecting those teams to, you know, use the backfields maybe differently. Do they rest guys in certain times? Do they let uh, injuries um, uh, not, not linger, but like, you know, sit them on the bench longer. You know, I, I think your point is, and don't let me put words in your mouth, right. Is, Hey, go and do them, see where things are shaking out or, or have a point of view on the season going in. And then that way you can see how you're lining up. And Hey, if you're just, if, if what you're thinking, your point of view is, is higher on a rank or higher than the, default ADP in the, you know, the draft applet, like, Hey, go, go and get those guys. Cause you're making those decisions and maybe you feel a b- little bit more in control. Yeah. I, I don't even think it's necessarily a control factor. I think it's just a better understanding of football. Right. And it's, yep. it's, it's looking at it in a big picture format and saying, Hey, um, because you can be high on someone just because you're high on somebody, but to actually back it up with statistical data and say, you know what, I'm high on TJ Hawkinson because I think TJ Hawkinson is going to have 26% target share. That's very different than just saying, Hey, I like TJ Hawkinson and he's going to do good. Right. I, I think to be able to break down the numbers, the statistics and have some sort of data packed analysis that's really going to kind of set you apart from just the average drafter. So, so when I'm just projecting T Higgins for hundred percent market share, you're saying that's probably slightly too high. And then I, I just, I just like him a little bit too much. I, that, that number needs to come down slightly. Right. Um, I mean, I love TJ. I mean, I love, I love T Higgins too, but, uh, I would say that's, that's a little high. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I like hear your TJ happens an example. No. So, so let's, let's do this. We're going to try to hit one a show the, the big idea. Uh, we did have Todd Burroughs on, um, last week to talk about what happens during positional runs. Uh, tonight's big idea and Billy, it was great. I think that you've already been hitting on it is this concept of, of access, right? I think that you brought it up in the context of access based on, you know, having a partnership. Um, maybe it's access based on auto drafting, um, maybe access based on kind of like what, what people have done ahead of you. Um, you and I were on opposite ends of the draft. Let me go ahead and start to pull up our specific draft board as we talk about tonight's big idea. And if you're watching on YouTube, we have it up there now. Um, you know, you were team 10 here. I was team three. Um, let's talk about access. Let's start with your draft. You auto drafted the first four picks. You already mentioned it, Billy, you know, Cam Akers, maybe you're not on them. Josh Allen, maybe you wouldn't have taken him in the third round. Let's talk a little bit about what your like once you saw, once you, you know, woke up FFPC, great plug, you know, they're willing to call you. You saw the draft board. What changed based on the, like, maybe like the access opportunities that were now open to you? Yeah, it's a great question um, because I think what makes 
the difference between good drafters and great drafters are being able to adjust on the fly. And when I pulled this up, I said, oh, shit, I have a quarterback already and it's round four. Uh, because I'm a guy that's going to say, hey, I'm going to wait on quarterback. For instance, like look at Baker Mayfield going in round 19. That's a steal. I think Baker has a great year. I would have I would have taken Baker, you know, happily in around 16, 15 and skipped the Josh Allen pick. But nonetheless, I have Josh Allen. I have Cam Akers. I took a look at it and said, you know what? I got auto-drafted three fairly strong running backs for the first four rounds. I already have a solid quarterback. Let's take um let's really take some shots on some high upside wide receivers here and let's go ahead and just commit to the Buffalo stack because I'm probably not going to have exposure to this Buffalo stack in the future because I don't want to spend the capital on Josh Allen. But since, Hey, I'm, I'm auto drafted. I might as well commit to it now. So I took, you know, Zach Moss and I took, um, I even stacked the kicker and I tucked, you know, tight end late. Um, yep. and I took, and I took Gabe Davis because, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a firm believer in, and looking at a team and saying, Hey, if, this quarterback is projected to do, um, you know, top three, top four, top five finish. Then the supporting cast around him in the wide receiving core are probably going to have elevated results as well. Case in point last year, look at, you know, Stefan Diggs, look at, um, you know, Devontae Adams and the type of uh, years that their quarterbacks had, the type of years that they had. Um, you know, also a reason why I'm not super high on Diggs this year, because I think it took two MVP caliber seasons for them to get there. I don't think they repeat that type of caliber, but nonetheless, somebody like Gabe Davis, I think could break out a little bit more in, in his, his, his next year. And, uh, you know, especially with, you know, John Brown gone. And I know they brought in Emmanuel Sanders, but yeah. nonetheless, I think that aiming for those high upside picks, uh, in the stacks for cheaper versions, of stacks pays off dividends in tournament play. Yeah. And I, and I think that's a, that's a great way to bring it back to like the, the taking down the tournament, right? You had Josh Allen, uh, you know, in the fold. You probably wouldn't have access to him. And at the point that you already had that access, and again, we're going to call it ADP here, but I, I think that there's a point to be made. I think that you grab Gabe Davis three rounds ahead of average draft position. And this isn't a shot at like where you grabbed him and why you yep. did. It's just it, I'm going to ask the question: Did you grab him that early because it's like, hey, I already have Josh Allen in the in the hold. I probably won't do this again. Uh, not, not obviously not intentional. I'm going to go ahead and grab him because I want to make sure that I have access to this stack that I probably won't in my next, you know, 12 or 15 drafts. It, ex- exactly. I mean, I'm not comfortable taking him there in a normal team if I'm not stacking that offense. Um, I looked at it and said, hey, he may go next round. Probably not, but just in case, I'm going to be pretty upset if I have Josh Allen around three right now and I don't get to complete the stack. So, I reached for it. I know it was a reach. I'm okay with it because I like his upside and I do like this, this offense. Um, and I looked at it also and said, you know what? The rest of my wide receivers have high upside, but I mean, let's face it. Debo had some injury concerns. Deontay Johnson had some, some drop concerns. Cortland Sutton's coming off an injury. So I really had to go with some high upside uh, wide receiver picks to kind of back up the other wide receivers as well. Yeah, no, and, and of course it's not a reach if it's part of your strategy, which is which is what we're talking about, right? The the, the big yeah. idea. I would ne- I would never call this a reach. You're just tr- just trying to point out kind of the 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 links that you go to do this stacking in large tournament plays. Like, hey, I already got the, I already have this access. Would never have it. I'm going to make it worth my while. I'm going to get it. Um, you know, we're looking at shit. Your I did it, and I think it's a reach, but <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, but I, it's I, necessary. I, I Yes, absolutely necessary. Yeah, and and I like it. Right? I mean, you, you mentioned it's like, hey, like I, I'm going to go all in. You you said you got Tyler Bass, we got Dawson Knox. Like you've got a Buffalo team 
And if, hey, Diggs goes down, large tournament play, you know, your, your team's going to be looking pretty interesting with what you had, uh, you know, access to. You know, st- sticking on your team, Team 10 here, um, we've got it up on the draft board. You know, you started Cam Akers, Nick Chubb. You know, your wide receivers, right, for the start that you had with three wide rec- or three running backs, one one quarterback, your wide receivers are looking like a lot of players that I, I like um, to pick myself. I love Deontay Johnson. I love Cortland Sutton. And I love that Debo. And then I'll just say, like the 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 Darnell Mooney in round twelve is is one of my favorite in in those kind of ten through fourteen rounds. So I absolutely love what you did with those high upside wide receivers um, in the draft. Yeah, I think Darnell Mooney's everything we thought. Um, Jeff, not Jeffrey, everything that we thought that um, Anthony Miller. Thank you. If yeah. everybody we thought Anthony Miller was going to be Darnell Mooney. Yeah. I mean, had they actually connected on all the <laughs> all the times that he beat the defenders down the field, he would have had one hell of a year. Mr. Air Yards there. Yeah. Yeah. It was just they missed him left and right. And I mean, he was he's he's pretty electric and I'm excited to see um, what happens with Justin Fields when he gets on the field and, and seeing him, uh, you know, playing on the field early and often. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. All right, let, let's um, let, let's switch gears. Let's take a look at my team, right? Because it's all about you know, it's it's my pa- my my podcast, my team. Let's take a look at this. I, drafting from the three hole, I think the first thing that I would say, right? I I was drafting this team during bottomless margaritas in Denver um, from Jacksonville, Florida. So I was you know just out partying on a Sunday or a Saturday. Um, drew the three pick, had Christian McCaffrey sitting there because the first team took Travis Kelsey. Team two went Dalvin Cook. Let's talk about access for a second. When I drew the third, I was thinking in my mind, okay, I'm going to have my pick of Jonathan Taylor, Alvin Kamara, Saquon Barkley. That, that was what I was thinking in my head. Um, the issue is, and of course, like, hey, like, of course I could have played it and drafted one of those guys. The simple fact is the strategy here isn't much of a strategy. It's don't be an idiot. Don't overthink it. You take Christian McCaffrey. Um, I think people all are overthinking it. Billy, let, let me pause here is schedule playing a role in Christian McCaffrey dropping? Or if he ever does drop to uh, 103 or 104, is that schedule related with him drawing that week 13 by? Yeah, that's what I'm starting to see now. And I think it's it's overreaction. It's a classic overreaction. I mean, to look at it, you get 12 healthy weeks now, hopefully, right? 12, yep. 12 healthy weeks of Christian McCaffrey to get to playoffs. That, to me, is a major advantage. Yes, he's down in week one of FFPC playoffs, but that's why you took Swift and Najee Harris to back it up to make sure that you had that other stud running back there for that first buy. So I personally, I don't really care if he has a week 13 buy for his, for, for playoffs because you're going to use him all the way into playoffs. And it's a major advantage to be able to have the number one running back in football for 12 weeks leading into playoffs. Yep. No, and, and, and uh, well, first of all, thank, thank you, Billy. T- totally agree. L- looking forward to uh, 12 healthy weeks of Christian McCaffrey. Knock on, uh, knock on wood there. Yeah, and, and, and actually, this is a very atypical draft for me. What, where I find myself is doing a lot of one or two running backs and then just like slamming the wide receivers. And again, the big topic here today is, is access. Um, I ended up going with, you, you mentioned it, DeAndre Swift, Najee Harris, uh, took the two running backs there, an, an odd start. But I, I really want to focus in on rounds four and five and in having access to and being uncomfortable in the draft and maybe you know going slightly off script in a tournament play. Uh, round four comes around. I still don't have any wide receivers, but Mark Andrews is still on the board. Our guy we talked about at the top, TJ Hawkinson, he just went one pick right before me. Mar- went Mark Andrews there with a the thought that I could maybe sneak Lamar Jackson back around, that he'd have a better chance of coming around than Mark Andrews. So I did in rounds four and five a uh, Lamarck 
Andrew's stack there. Um, I think that what that did, right? If I'm if I'm taking a wide receiver and I'm going to have my pick of those, you know, the Julio Woods, Cup, Chase, you know, et cetera, you know, Deontay Johnson, who, who you did end up picking. I think that I'm in a tournament much happier forcing myself to be creative and to just keep pounding wide receivers later um, and maybe, you know, have access to this like upside that I wouldn't have been able to tap um, if I didn't go or if I had gone wide receiver there, I probably wouldn't have gotten a quarterback or tight end or whatever else I would have done. And I think this team is much more explosive, if you will, um, or at least unique in this tournament setting by going in the quarterback tight end um, stack there. So let's talk a little bit about that Baltimore stack. You know, how, how did you feel about that? What did you like, not like about doing that and kind of how that forced my wide receiver hand? Well, so as I logged in at the end of round four, I looked at every person's team and said, Ah, shit, that guy has Christian McCaffrey, Swift, and Najee Harris. That's going to be tough to beat. And then, and then as we, we saw it kind of play out, I saw you, you've complete the stack. And I said, Oh, I really like that build. And, and then I love the wide receiver picks because I'm a T Higgins fan. I think Odell Beckham's a value this year. If he's back healthy, um, I think LaVisca Chenault could be really good with Trevor Lawrence there. Um, and Brandon cooks let's face it as the number one receiver right now for, for Houston. So, um, I really like the wide receiver picks that you that you did after you completed um, the heavy running back and uh, Baltimore stack, and then you were able to finish it off with with Bateman as well. So yeah, okay. um, yeah, continue the stack a little bit there. Yeah, yeah. So I I I I like what you did. Um, it is contrarian, and I do think it's unique. And I think um, you hit the hammer on the nail. That's what really separates. Um, a lot of teams in these in these large field tournaments is is uniqueness and and being able to differentiate yourself from the rest of the pack because if everyone's drafting ADP and everyone's doing what's comfortable, um, not really are you going to separate yourself from the rest of the group and and going out of the box here, um, you know, like a lot of teams did in this draft, quite frankly, but going out of this out of the out of the box here and and being able to complete your your stack, I think is is going to pay dividends. Yeah, and maybe maybe I can thank the bottomless margaritas because maybe, maybe I threw inhibition to the wind, and I was like, you know, a, a, a sober Andrew maybe maybe would have done a wide receiver there, but uh, you know, really had eyes for that uh, that stack. But you're, you're exactly right. As as that sixth round was progressing, though, um, again we're staring at the draft board here live on YouTube, and we'll we'll share the the screenshot of the draft board and the the tweet link uh, for for the podcast. As those wide receivers were going around five and six, and of course you contributed to this with your Deontay in Cortland, right? They were flying off the board. And I will tell you that as they were flying off the board, I was just kicking myself. I was like, I, I screwed up. This is $350 wasted. I'm out the door. It's over. But I got to tell you, I mean, that the, the what saved me was, look, T, T failed me. I already mentioned at the top that I love him. And then Odell Beckham in seven. I, I think that I really lucked out by getting those two at least a headline. And of course the rest from here are, uh, are absolute shots in the dark and, and hopefully, hopefully a couple of them hit. But I, I, as those were flying off in round five and six, it was that uncomfortable. It was that like, Oh boy, I, I messed up. I should have drafted by ADP. Like what the hell am I doing? Um, but uh, you know, obviously, you know, maybe sometimes luck plays a, a role in some of these football guys. And I don't think that they're all shots in the dark. I mean, I think they're all talented wide receivers. I mean, look what Michael Gallup was on, on track to do when Dak was in. I mean, Dak was there. Dak was on track for an extrapolated 6,000 yard season, which is unheard of. And they were, they were able to support three 1,000 yard receivers on that team with, with the um, amount of volume they were throwing the ball and the amount of success they were having throwing the ball. So um, with Dak back healthy, looks like he's here in time for camp. 
Um, I, I like the Michael Gallup pick in round 10. I think it's a good pick. And I think that um, it gives you a floor, but as well as gives you an upside with, with those late round picks. Absolutely. Yeah. L- L- Lamb uh, or Cooper go down and, you know, we, we got a wide, re- two, wide receiver two in Dallas sitting there. So, all right. Okay. So let's continue on draft board review here. Um, we talked a little bit about your bill stack. We talked about this idea of, of access. Let's move on. How did the rest of the draft lay out for you? Um, any, anything that you liked as the draft progresses? Uh, were there any particular moments of panic while you were on the clock? Yeah, the first panic sank in when I logged in at the end of round four. <laughs> because like you said, it's a $350 draft. I mean, what the hell? I just missed uh, I just missed my first three picks. <laughs> you know, like four, four picks, sorry. And uh, so I was like, crap, I need a wide receiver like fast. And um I was looking back and kicking myself. I'm like, man, Allen Robinson would have been really nice there in round three. But, um, and this team, I think I still would have liked the build with Allen Robinson in there. It would have came out different, but that was the first kind of panic. Um, Being able to grab Deontay Johnson, I really liked the target share that he had um, last year. And I think that that, 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 uh, continues here in 2021. And then being able to grab Cortland Sutton um, there again, that was where I started kind of feeling a little bit kind of rest assured, okay, I'm going to be okay at wide receiver now. Um, because like I said, I've done several drafts. I've done already. It's the third FBG. I'm already done 20 best balls on the year on FFPC. I knew I can get Debo late and I love Debo. Samuel. Yeah. I like Debo more than Ayuk. And um, people probably saw at the beginning of the show, all the Niner gear in the back behind me. I love Ayuk. I think he was a great rookie, but I think that had Debo been healthy, had Kittle been healthy, we don't see the year that we saw out of Ayuk last year. And <clears throat> I think he's being overdrafted. Um, I will gladly take the the latter ADP with Debo and have the same amount of upside on, an, on a wide receiver. And quite frankly, he's I think he's better with after-the-catch uh, skills anyways. So to be able to grab him in um, round eight, um, I was excited about. It's not as late as he used to go. He used to go like round nine or ten back in March. But uh, hey, I'll still take him in round eight all day. So at, after grabbing him and grabbing a tight end in between, um, I started feeling better about my team. I had three wide receivers. I had a quarterback already. I had a tight end already, um, and I just I knew that I was going to be able to to fill out the rest of the the roster just fine. Yeah, it's almost like the board opened up for you. It's like okay, well now, now that I've got one tight end in the door, I got the quarterback in the door. It's like okay, now I can just like hammer, hammer as the the uh, the value falls to me uh, across the draft. So I, I yeah, like there that. was only there's only one of the time where I really got sniped, and it wasn't really a snipe. It was just he was taken earlier than I anticipated. I was actually going to grab um, Fryermuth there to stack with Ebron and complete the the Deontay Johnson Eric Ebron slash tight end Fryermuth stack there, and. Um, he went, I forgot where he went. So I'm trying to find him. He, he went, he went middle of round 17. I think he went 1706. Yeah. So, right, so Tyler Bass pick. Yeah. So it, exactly. So I thought he was, he usually goes a little bit later, not much later, but I thought I was gonna be able to get him on that next turn. And he went just a little earlier than I anticipated. Like I was going to grab him right there where I took um, Bass. Yep. And I was just like, Oh, son of a bitch. He took him. Yeah. And, and so at that point I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna grab the bass, and I'll grab you know Knox and complete that, and then I'll I'll throw in my uh, Granson at the end for for my uh, dark horse. Nice. No. So so here's what the people need: is they need 17th and 18th round tight end content. Here's a question for you: If you had gotten Fryermuth, does that mean you don't complete the uh, the full Bills tight end stack there? Does that mean you go uh, you kick uh, Dawson Knox off your board then? Yeah, I, I would I would kick Dawson Knox off and just and just stick with. 
just the the running back and wide receiver no, and like um, Josh Allen. I, I like it. No, I, I mean, I, I think that that, um, I mean, you mentioned, I, I actually like the Ebron in the 13th there. I think that that's some great value after all of like the, call it the, the, the usual hype suspects go and that what round like 10 through 12, maybe 13 range, like the Gerald Everett, yep. Adam Troutman's, maybe the the Cole Komets. Like I just, I love letting those fall. And then you're just sitting there picking up Eric Ebron, who you at least know gives you maybe like a safe floor uh, if yeah. you need to begin the season. And of course, you already have Mike Kosicki sitting there too. So it's not like you're you're absolutely counting on Eric Ebron to uh, to bring you home half a uh, half million there. Yeah, I'm not crazy about my tight ends in this league. I usually like to grab somebody like a TJ Hawkinson or a Noah Fant. Uh, those have been my like top two tight end targets this year. Um, but um, yeah, I I think that he's a, he's fine there. And and with um, um, having Deontay Johnson, I'm I'm even more okay with taking him. Yeah, I I, uh, I was actually with my uh, with my buddy in Denver, uh, but I call him my uh, my tight end guru. Um, yeah. And unfortunately, my tight end guru has dubbed uh, Mike Kosicki Mike Kosicki. Um <laughs> And so when, when, whenever I have to consult my tight end guru on Mike Kosicki, who who I like, <laughs> the, the only response that we get back is is, is Kosicki. So um, <laughs> no, no other words, just like hey, the tight end guru has spoken. Uh, yeah. That's it. But uh, no, I, I, I like the sickie. I mean, it's, you, you know, when, you, when you're in those rounds, you know, after the big, what, four now, five, well, I guess uh, Kelsey, Kittle, Waller, Pitts, you feel great about those, maybe Andrews and Hawkinson. But then after that, it's, you know, yeah, that's where that, you know, group where the sickie sits and, you know, you kind of pick, pick and choose and, and hope one of them pops. I will not have a single share of Pitts this year. Not one. Yeah. No, not, I, not. I just can't do it. It's like round three, like you're drafting him ahead of TJ Hawkinson and ahead of Mark Andrews. And I mean, when was the last time a rookie wide uh, rookie tight end actually produced? It's I think it's insane. I so let, let's let's talk about. We can spend a couple minutes on this. I am going to feel like an idiot if during one of my football guys and one of my main events that I don't have like a a Kyle Pitts. But you 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 say no, no matter what. No matter what, I, no I matter probably. What. I won't take him until round five and he'll never fall that far. He'll, no, he'll never get there. No, I, absolutely. Not. I mean, the, the thing is, is like maybe the steam goes even crazier where he starts to get into a, into to round two there. So, uh, so we'll see. I just, I, I, I just can't be caught. I, I'll just feel left out uh, if he's really hitting those championship rounds. And maybe that's just the way to play is like totally contrarian, but I, I at least want to have one Kyle Pitts team so I can feel like I, I joined in on the fun and I got to play with all the cool kids on the playground. Uh, I'll have a party yeah. outside with the bonfire while everybody's inside. <laughs> going to wave to us. There, there's me trying to climb the fence. All the cool kids are already in and you're just, you're just sitting on the side. Uh, <laughs> I, I like it. All right. Well, we'll continue on. So in, any, any draft quirks, that you liked as, you know, as it went along, like, you know, this is like any, anything that is, you saw the, um, the draft board unfolding, uh, anything that you saw taking a look, you know, at now that a couple of days have passed, any like game theory that you like, um, that, that happened that caught your eye. Yeah. I, I like what you did. I liked seeing Christian McCaffrey fall and then you being able to get, you know, three really solid running backs and then complete your stack. Um, but I really also like what Team 11 did with the Green Bay stack here. Uh, he took the discount on Devontae Adams, uh, and he you know, got Aaron Jones as well. And then he was able to get Aaron Rodgers in round 10. And let's just play devil's advocate here and say that Aaron Rodgers does come back to Green Bay. It's a big if, but if he does, that is one hell of a stack for a discount. And I love a cheap discounted stack. And that type of caliber stack as well. I loved it. Also with the AJ Dillon pick. Yeah, you know, I know, you know, Aaron Jones round one, Devontae Adams round two. Was it 
AJ Dillon round nine, Rogers round 10. I, I mean, I think that there was one, you know, t- tweet response to your tweet when you put out the draft board. I think somebody said they've never seen so many stacks in their life uh, mm-hmm. on a draft board. I mean, this, this, I mean, we, we really did do a great job as a, uh, as a draft room to really make, uh, to make these stacks look beautiful here. And like everybody um, was like, okay, it's like we all got together pre-draft. You're stacking Baltimore. <laughs> you're stacking uh, Green Bay. I'm going to stack the, the Bills. Yeah. Uh, you can stack KC. Everyone's agreed. We don't touch them. Okay, go. You know, yeah. that's, that's yeah. what it looks like. And it, and it was good <laughs> that you caught on too, even though you overslept. We're, we're glad that you yeah. got the, uh, the heads up that we had all yeah, decided. got on. the memo. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. No, and I, I think I, I, I want, I do want to trans, uh, transition to, to um, the next call it segment here of, of the somebody knows something. But the one quirk that I see, especially in these beginning ones, is is the defenses um, and maybe some of the kickers start to go off the board a little bit early. Maybe people like planting their flag, knowing maybe they can get their favorite late round flyer still on the board. So it actually, I, I did take a look at this. You know, I think that we had 11 defenses go before uh, round 18. I think the typical ADP is seven. Um, I don't know if this is anecdotal or not, but I did appreciate people flag planting on defenses before they were flag planting on their favorite late round flyers. And I don't know if this is a matter of, Hey, I still think that my, you know, late round flyers is the guy that I'm going to sneak under the radar. So I know I'm still going to get him in the 17, 18, 19. Um, but I did appreciate, um, you know, people kind of, you know, go, going after who they wanted on the, uh, the onesie twosie positions instead of grabbing their favorite rookie or, or favorite sleeper. I, I did appreciate this early round draft quirk um, as I, as I looked at the board. Yeah, and I, I'm okay with. I don't really like a defense in like round like 12 and 13, like we've seen. Um, I'll pass on 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 that high, but I I'll, I'll start looking in round 16 through 18. Usually is when I usually like to select one. Um, I don't. I have no problem, you know, taking one in round 16 like I did in this draft and um, somebody where I think is going to be a good defense and. Um, and then, like you said, you know, throwing that dart at somebody I really like at the end, like I took, you know, Kylan Granson, and I like Granson, and I think that um, it could really pan out, or I could drop him. You just never know. But I think that um, his measurables, and I like, I like what he did in college, and I like his receiving skills, and he's utilized, you know, more as a, a kind of a slot receiver slash tight end, and I think that it could pay off dividends here, especially because. Um, let's face it, the Colts don't really have a lot of weapons right now, and the people they do have are either washed up or injured all the time. Yeah, call call us the the things that make me say, hmm, the, the somebody knows something. I I love seeing these late on flyers. So you talked about Kylan Granson. I mean, I, I don't know if you – I mean, I'm sure you were doing these early ones last year. I mean, there were some really sharp players, and I have absolutely zero shame to my, you know, my plagiarism game. Um, you know, if, if I see somebody sharp doing something sharp or at least doing anything, right. And at least, it, you know, I'm not just like, you know, straight copying, but I'm going to do some research. Like uh, I'm going to think, do they know something that I don't, do I need to do a deeper dive? And I remember last year, like it was like the, Eno Benjamins, the uh, maybe even Lynn Bowding uh, was grabbing some steam as like the, the favorite 19th and 20th round guys. And of course the, those guys ended up getting pushed up into the 15th, 16th. Um, once people started having to snipe them earlier and earlier as the draft season progressed, but yeah, you grabbed Kylan Granson here, you know, tight end from the Colts, rookie out of uh, uh, SMU. I like that pick. It's your fourth tight end. I think that you appropriately dubbed him. Uh, well, here's words in your mouth again. It may be your first drop if he doesn't make the team, or if he's you know benched or whatever, or if he you know he's hurt. You know, th- these 20th round picks, like you know, they're your first drops. I just love taking these dart throws on people who could be interesting or gain that value as the draft season increases. So I, I really appreciated your uh, your Kylan Granson pick here. Um, 
Yeah, uh, and like no one's talking about him. I mean, his measurables, he's 86th percentile in college, college yards per reception, 97th percentile in breakout age. He broke out at 18.4 years old. And I mean, I know he's not very tall. He's like six foot one, six slash two, because no one knows how tall anyone is in this draft class, it seems to be, because they all have different measurements. But he he really is a yard after the catch monster. And he, like I said earlier, he took 50% of his tight end snaps in the slot. So I I really like it. The culture are talking him up. They're really talking about his diverse route tree and how well he was he was coached in college. And I mean, he has legitimate downfield routes in his tree. And um like I said, the culture locking weapons. So it's worth, it's worth the dart throw for me. Yeah, I like it. And, you know, we're, we're all goats here. Um, I, I'm going to talk about Theo Greminger, who's part of the, the goat district podcast network as well. And, you know, he, he did, a, he pulled a mic drop on JD and I, uh, Billy, he, we're doing a rookie draft together and he's like, you know who my favorite late round flyer is in all, all rookie drafts, Kylan Granson. And he literally awesome. must have said that to us. We had just gotten off the air he literally said that to us while we were like, you know, in the studio. And then he must have hit draft on like two, two or three drafts that we were all in together. Just like snipe, 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 Kylan Granson. He's he's the guy. Um, so I I think that, you know, you, you grabbing him here the, uh, as part of the somebody knows something. Uh, I think the more he gets talked up over the offseason, I think that the more you're going to find, you know, some equity in this draft position here in the uh, in the 20th round. That would be pretty interesting. Okay. Billy, last game of the night. Um, I always let the guests have an, an out here if they need it, but we're going to play a game of who is the rake. So a team that is, you know, maybe, maybe you know, maybe they're not going to be the tournament winner. Maybe you know they're not going to win, you know, the the self-contained league. Um, maybe it's somebody who got off to like a fire start and then absolutely fizzled out, maybe in round six through seven. Um, let, let's play the game. Let's let's decide which team on this draft board is the rake for sure. They're not winning any money. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot first, but like I said, you can have an out if you want it. You can always name my team. Um, Billy, who was your rake for this draft on May 15th? Team 12 all the way. Yeah. And agreed. agreed. And so he was on auto also. It's kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> so he was on auto and he didn't get off until like, what is it? Round seven. Is that what it was? Yep. yep. Yeah. Round, round eight, eight. eight. round eight. With the, with and the Lenny, Uncle Lenny. And so he logged in. I guarantee he's like, oh, crap, I don't have any running backs. And you can tell by his board he was uncomfortable with his running back selections because literally after round eight, one, two, three, four, five, six running backs, which I think put him even more in a jam because then he missed. Like, yes. He missed filling in, you know, his wide receiver position. He, he yes, he had the two top tight ends or two of the top tight ends in, in, in the league. But I mean, he doesn't have that strong of a wide receiver core outside Terry and CD. And then he has, you know, a lackluster running back core. And I just think from top to bottom, I think it's just lacking. Yeah. I, and look, say, say, we're going to, I mean, you already said it, say something nice about the team, right? Like he went, you know, auto drafted, but he did go Kittle and Waller. Great. He's got a lamb Dak Prescott stack. Great. And I, but I think that you nailed it, right? Like, Hey, if you're already in the uncomfortable position, right? Let's go back to the, you know, the show's big idea of access. You already had access to this double tight end with a Dak and CD stack. Hey, just go all in. You're already uncomfortable at running backs. Keep hammering the wide receivers. Like make sure that yep. you keep a strength, the strength instead of try to fill in um, with all of these, you know, you know, handcuff, you know, secondary running backs. Cause I just, I just don't think that the, that running back core of, you know, the McKissick, Henderson, Mac Williams, you know, bookers is going to win you the, the half million. If you're already in this fragile, you know, state, you've already had access to a pretty unique team. Go ahead and keep, 
keep, keep at it. Why, why handcuff yourself or limit your upside? So, so I, I agree there, even though of course, like on any given week, uh, I'm sure now we're both going to get crushed by his, uh, his Kittle Waller, uh, combo. So watch him win a tournament. Yeah, no, (laughs) (laughs) but this is, this is, this is why we have to do the segment. So that way we at least have a, a take on the record. The only other thing that I'd mention, right. Cause I, I totally agree with your team 12. The one that I want to talk about is, is team one only slightly here. Um, he did go Kelsey Metcalf, Allen Gaskin, Davis, Russell Wilson for his start. I don't hate the team. It's a great team. And this is a situation. We said it in the middle, you know, GYFG, get your fucking guys. But this is a team that you could have maybe drafted from the four hole, maybe that you could have drafted from the five hole. And again, it really depends on how many you're doing. If you're doing one, great. If you're doing a million, I don't know, because maybe you get that access to these same players based on current ADP and the fourth or fifth. So anyways, I totally get it. I totally understand why you would build this team. I like the team. Um, I'm just thinking about from the angle of if you're in a tournament, could you have some level of are you already dominated by another team that has similar or same access to you? Uh, and that's just the question I have about the strategy that team one did, even though I do like playing the stake in the ground, I do like getting that Travis Kelsey and being bold at one Oh one. I just asked the question, could you be dominated uh, by, by a team uh, that has different access uh, from a tournament perspective? Yeah. And it's pretty ballsy going in with miles Gaskin and Mike Davis says you're one, two, when both of them could easily have a veteran be signed during camp. And could you know really hurt their values? Um, I I do think they both lead the both those backfields, but anything could happen to where you know they lose at least twenty five percent of the of the projections that we have for them currently, and and um, that would be detrimental to the success of this team. Yeah, that's exactly right. All right, Billy, this was awesome. This is a great time with you. Um, anything to plug before we go here? Love love reviewing the draft board with you tonight. Yeah, I just want to say first, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. I love talking football. I love talking drafts. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at FFMusio. That's M-U-Z-I-O. Or on YouTube at Fantasy Data. Alongside any of my articles at FantasyData.com. Or you can just wait, and I'm sure you'll find me in an FFPC lobby. Awesome. All right, Billy, this was great. had a lot of fun here tonight. We're going to sign off for here. Thank you, Fantasyland. Thank you for listening to another Half Milli Billies on the Goat District Podcast Network. Download, subscribe, review, and LFG. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Here we have a story about a couple of billies. Get rich quick, man, that seems kind of silly. I mean, from dynasty to redraft, really? Ain't no way they about to make this quarter milli. Feel me? Nah, man, I really don't. This the GOAT district, they win whenever they want. This the big time, though, they're playing against the bonds. Gotta wonder if they're prepared or if they'll bomb. Look. Let's quick run through a checklist I only got a minute, but I want you to get this Experience, yes Evaluation, yes VBD, yes Sleeper picks, yes Well, sheesh, now you get it I ain't even lying Go ahead, pick up the rhymes Spit a couple of lines Spell it out for people So they can feel it in their spine G-O-A-T Greatest of all time It's the corner Melly Billy's On a quest for the best FFPC is a test for the rest G-O-A-T Gonna flex, that's a yes Matter of fact, no Say less, say less, it's the quarter milli billies on a quest for the best. FFPC is a test for the rest. GOAT gonna flex, that's a yes. Matter of fact, say less, say less.